Welcome to the Great Doctrines of the Bible, where we are covering crucial teachings from Scripture to help you grow your faith. Throughout the history of the church, the person of Christ has been attacked perhaps more than any other doctrine or teaching of Christianity. The apostles John and Peter dealt with it in the New Testament, in 1 John and Colossians. Both address an error that Christ was not who he appeared to be. Uh, Part of what John deals with is a teaching that taught Christ appeared to be the Christ, but he could not be because the flesh was sinful and deity could have nothing to do with it. So Christ was not truly God, truly man. As we fast forward a few hundred years later, we come to the church creeds and councils. Uh, The first was the Apostles' Creed. Though the creed deals with all three members of the Trinity, the emphasis is on Jesus. And the same goes for the Nicene Creed. Then we come to the Chalcedonian definition of faith. These creeds were specifically written to explain Scripture's teaching about who Jesus is. Coming up to present day, Ligonier Ministries published their statement on Christology. In an interview on their website, they say these are some of the reasons they published the statement. They say, we recognize the extreme importance of the question, who is Jesus Christ? And we wanted to offer a concise statement of historic one person, two nature, Christology. They go on to say, additionally, the challenges of the growth of Islam and the crumbling morality of Western culture press upon us the need for renewed clarity and conviction regarding the gospel. Ligonier also does a study called The State of Theology every two years. Here were some of their findings among those who identified as evangelical in 2018. When told the statement, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, 51% said they agreed with the statement. This shows that they do not understand that Jesus is exclusive, that he is the only way to the Father. It is only in and through Christ that our worship will be accepted. When asked whether they agreed or disagreed with this statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, 78% 78 agreed with the statement. This is a teaching from a man named Arius who was condemned by the Council of Nicaea as a heretic, and the creed that came from it is a response to his teaching. In each year these numbers grow, they are increasing. And when it comes to the person of Christ, there are three main categories about his person that are false. You'll see a denial of his divinity. Some will argue that Jesus was only a man, as Arian did, and Jehovah's Witnesses do today. They teach that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God. He is therefore created. He is not eternal. He was not with the Father in the beginning. The second error we see is a denial of Christ's two natures. These confuse the two natures of Christ, that he is truly God, truly man, so that they are absorbed one into the other. Uh, One teaching is that Jesus was a new type of person. The divine nature and human nature came together to form a new nature, a new person. Others believe that Jesus possessed within himself two persons. 
He was a human person and a divine person, not one person with a divine and human nature. And thirdly, we see a denial of Christ's humanity. This teaches that Jesus was only God and he appeared to be a man. Uh, There is a teaching that denies part of Christ's humanity. They believe he has a divine nature and a human body, but he does not have a human mind or spirit. They are divine. Others will focus on Jesus' purpose and not his person. But in this case, it is not Jesus' work that he actually did, but work they think is important. And they use Jesus as an advocate for it. This is often found in what are called mainline Protestant denominations, such as Unitarians. And here's a taste from two Unitarian leaders. The first one said, As an agnostic humanist, I find a deep resonance with the Jesus portrayed in the early Gospels. Here is a man who healed the sick, fed the hungry, and clothed the poor. He did something about the suffering he saw around him because he felt connected to those who suffered. He was a revolutionary in this way, going outside the existing structures to right the wrongs of the system. This ethic is consonant with religious humanism, and I find it both educational and inspirational. A second leader says this, As a Unitarian Universalist, I love reading the Gospels and witnessing the method Jesus would use to guide a person to answers rather than simply giving them the answers. I connect to Jesus as a person who wanted to fix the problems he saw in his faith community and society, to build the community that he knew was possible rather than simply go through the motions of everyday life. It was in my de-deification of Jesus that I could reconnect with his story, trading Messiah for mentor. In each case, they had a view of Jesus in mind that was important to them, and that's what they found as they read the Gospels. In the first quote, the person cared about relieving the suffering they saw around them, and they saw that in Jesus. But notice, they did not identify themselves as a Christian. They said they were an agnostic humanist. In the second quote, the person was looking for someone to help with the issues they saw in their faith community. And when they turned to the Gospels, they found what they were looking for. They deny the deity of Christ. They, they said it was in their notice. They did, not, they did not say this is Scripture. It was in their de-deification of Jesus that they could reconnect with his story. Jesus was no longer Messiah or Savior, but he was their mentor. We see this type of thinking often in the political realm. If someone cares about a justice issue, then Jesus is used as validation for their cause or to say that God is on their side. Again, this is having an idea in mind before coming to the text of Scripture and then drawing out from the text what we want or already had in mind. Others hold Jesus up as an example, and he is an example. But for this group of people, his person does not matter But he is an example to us of how to love our neighbor. His death is is the supreme example of laying down your life for those you love. But it is nothing other than that. So what is the biblical teaching? 
Many of us are tempted at this point to run to apologetics to answer these errors. We think we need to defend Jesus and defend the faith. There is a time and place for that, although probably not as often as we think. If we think of apologetics as applying the Bible to unbelief or error and heresy, in this case, we need to teach the Bible. There are many passages we could go to, but let's focus on Colossians 1, 15 through 23, and just ask one question. What do we learn about Jesus? I'm going to pause here so you can go read that passage and then come back. So Paul teaches us in Colossians 1, first, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We see that in verse 15. He represents God clearly to us and reveals God to us as God. We see this in John 1.18, where John said, Jesus has made known to us the Father. Literally, he has exegeted for us and explained for us who God is. When we are looking at Jesus, we are seeing God. Second, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. It's also in verse 15. Some read this and think it means that Jesus was created, which goes back to one of the errors we mentioned earlier. Some believe Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, but this word firstborn is often used to describe the privileges that the oldest son in a family would have. It was used especially for the son of a king. Jesus is our older brother through whom all the gifts of God flow. The same word is also going to be used later on. Third, through Jesus, all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the agent of creation. He is the one through whom creation happened. Jesus is the creator, which means he is our owner. He is God. We were created for him. We see this again in John 1 verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Number four, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things, so he could create all things. He not only created the world, he is the one holding it all together. If Jesus was not who he said he is, the world would literally blow apart. Number five, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. This is the same word Paul used in verse 15. This means that Jesus is the first to be resurrected so that in him we too might be resurrected. Number six, in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in verse 18. Jesus is God. All that God is dwells in Jesus because he is God. He possesses God's wisdom, love, holiness, justice, and every other attribute because he is God. He is the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. Two more things we learn about Jesus from Colossians 1. Jesus reconciled to himself all things through shedding his blood on the cross. Jesus can reconcile all things to himself because of who he is and the death he died. Paul is making the case that who Jesus is comes before what he has done, but who Jesus is bolsters or directs his work. Jesus died on the cross to reconcile all things to himself, including 
sinners living a sin-centered life and not a God-centered life. And last, number eight, Jesus reconciled us in his body of flesh. Paul continues the thought about reconciliation. Jesus not only reconciled us as God, he reconciled us as man. It was in his body of flesh, by his blood, that reconciliation was purchased for those who were alienated from God and hostile in mind toward him. This is a quick overview. There is much more that should be said, that needs to be said, but taking what we've learned here so far, study John 1, verses 1 through 18, and Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and continue to learn more about the person of Jesus.